Psalm 54. I will read it out loud. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a masculine of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, Is not David hiding among us? O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. So the title of our psalm says, To the choir master with stringed instruments, masculine of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us. So this is a reference to uh, the story told in 1 Samuel 23, 15 to 29. And so David was, I mean, basically a man who couldn't catch a break. You know, he's uh, being pursued. Uh, he's about really close to being killed by King Saul. And he's hiding uh, in Ziph. Uh, and, and while he's hiding in the wilderness of Ziph, uh, the Ziphites, who has nothing to do with him, like, I mean, what did I ever do to you, Ziphites, right? They go and tell King Saul, like, hey, he, David's hiding among us. Come and get him. Uh, and so it's in that... Uh, State uh, that David uh, maybe pens the psalm or prays the psalm out loud, and then later he records it at some point. Uh, and so that's the backstory, and 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 you could tell David is you know wary. Uh, you know he's his men along with him have are probably you know tired and and maybe uh, just haggard from all the fleeing and hiding. And now they have to be on the road again, uh, fleeing from Saul because of the Ziphites. And so it is at this point he uh, writes this psalm in order to teach us that, or to really remind himself as well, that those who look to God for deliverance uh, will look in triumph on their enemies. Uh, So that's really the main point of the psalm, Psalm 54. And that those who look to God for deliverance will look in triumph on their enemies. And so first we see in verses 1 to 3 his cry to God. And in verses 4 to 5 his confidence in God. And then in verses 6 to 7 we see his confession of God, his future confession of God. And so in verse 1, uh, first David cries out to God, his cry to God. He says, O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. So he invokes in his prayer God's name and God's might, right? So by calling on God to save him by his name, so David's really referring to God's entire person and character, which is what the name represents. And so he is basically calling upon his character and saying, God, you are the almighty God. You are the creating God. You, you are uh, the Lord of all the earth. Uh, you have been steadfast and, and in your love and your faithfulness toward me. So God, by your name, save me. So be who you are. Be who you say you are uh, in your name so, and save me. That's what he's saying. And then similarly, David calls upon God to vindicate him by his might. 
And so the, the word vindicate, if you were to translate it more literally, just means judge. So he's asking God to judge. So not only is he calling upon God's character, he's saying, God, you are the judge of all the earth. So I am in the right, and these people are pursuing me, in the, and they're in the wrong. So judge rightly in the situation, and vindicate me, save me. Uh, and, cause, and so as he's pr- the reason he prays this way is because he recognizes that in this Flight. It's not just his life that's at stake, but it's God's own glory and reputation and name that's at stake. And so he prays on the basis of those things. And then, having cried out to God on the basis of his character, uh, David cries out in a more personal way in verse 2. Oh God, hear my prayer. Uh, give ear to the words of my mouth. Uh, and the, the, the anthropomorphism here... The pipes, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's very distracting. Uh, it's okay. So the uh, anthropomorphism, just you, attributing uh, human characteristics to to something that's not human, right? So God is not human, uh, but it's almost it, he uses human terms. He refers to God's ear as if he has an ear like he has an ear like us, and that really makes the prayer feel much more intimate and personal, right? He says, "Oh God, give ear to my words of my mouth, to the words of my mouth." So it's David's not relating to God abstractly as this distant deity, but he's relating to him personally and concretely as someone that's with him and hears him. So God, I know you're there, so don't turn a deaf ear to me. Turn your ear to me and hear the words that I'm speaking to you now. So he's relating to him in very personal terms. Uh, And then in verse 3, David brings together verses 1 and 2, that kind of basis prayer on the basis of God's character, and then prayer uh, based on his personal plea. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves, Selah. So these wicked men seeking David's life, that's connected to... Um, the fact that they have not set God before themselves. So once again, uh, it's God's glory and name that's at stake here, not just David's personal uh, skin. And so, and David's heartfelt cry to God here in this verse, two verses is, is instructive for us because when we cry out to God for deliverance in all of our situations, the troubles that we face, the temptations that we face, the problems that we face, uh, when we bring our request to God in prayer, we have to recognize that we need to seek God's will in the midst of it, right? That's how Jesus taught us to pray, right? It's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's our prayers as we come to him have to be aligned with his will as David's doing here. It's about his name. It's about... It's about people who are pursuing him whose, who are, whose lives are not set before God. Our cry to God has to be aligned with the will of God. And it's only then that we can have confidence in God, which is what we see in verses 4 to 5. Notice the future tense in verse 5. The deliverance for David hasn't come yet. But even then, even though that hasn't come yet, in faith David expresses his confidence. He says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. So there's a repetition of the word life here that beautifully contrasts the Lord with David's enemies. Because in verse 3, David said, The ruthless men seek my life. But David assured that the Lord is the upholder of his life. So that should give us tremendous confidence and hope uh, in uh, our day-to-day because the word, 
And the word Lord, notice here, is not in caps, which means it's not the proper name of God, but it's the word that means Lord or Master. Right? So when people in our lives seek to do us harm, then we can remember from this psalm that God, that our Lord, our Master, is seeking to heal, not harm. Right? When the circumstances of our lives seem to conspire against us for evil, we can remember that our Master, our Lord, seeks our good. Right? And when everything around us seems to bring us down, we can remember that our master, our Lord, is lifting us up, right? He's the upholder of our lives. Uh, and, and nowadays, it's the people are right, so sensitive about being you know, politically correct and that, that the sentiment that's expressed in verse 5 uh, makes some Christians a little queasy. You know, it says, He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them, right? It's pretty uh, forceful language. And it's true, because sometimes people will ask Christians, well, like, didn't Jesus teach us to love our enemies, right? I mean, didn't he tell us to turn uh, the other cheek, right, and to pray for those who persecute us? And these things are all true. Jesus did teach us, us to love our enemies, but that doesn't mean that God won't judge the wicked, right? That God w- will avenge his people at some, in, in some point of the day. And, and it's that's... The scripture teaches that, right? Romans twelve nineteen says, Behold, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And remember that David's not here merely seeking his own selfish you know, well-being, but he's seeking God's glory and name and reputation in this as well. And so when we recognize that, then we, that this, his prayer, his, his forceful prayer for the judgment of his enemies makes more sense uh, because God is the one who avenges his people and, 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 and protects uh, his glory. And we also need to recognize that whenever we pray for justice, right, there's always two sides involved, right? I mean, there's, uh, uh, justice will affect both the victim of injustice and the perpetrators of injustice, right? So when, uh, in order for you know, sexual abuse to stop, right, it's the, the abusers uh, need to be caught and jailed, right? In order for the human trafficking to stop, right, the, the, you know, the kidnappers and traffickers and slave owners need to be punished, right? So when David simply making explicit in his prayer what we implicitly pray for whenever we pray for justice, because there can be no justice apart from judgment of the wicked, right? So, it's, it's, he's, so those things, two things go hand in hand. We can't let our compassion for sinners uh, lead us to condone sin, right? So here, uh, so there is rightness to David's prayer and calling for God's vengeance. So he expresses his confidence in God. And having done that, he turns to the final phase of his prayer, verses 6 to 7, uh, where he anticipates his future confession of God. Uh, verses 6 to 7, it says, With a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. So those who look to God for deliverance will look on their enemies in triumph. Uh, and David knows that God will answer his prayer and that he will in turn in response uh, worship God and give thanks to his name. Oh Lord, that's his proper name. That's why it's in caps. Right? So he's saying that in the future in response to God's faithfulness in answering his prayers, David will confess his name because it is good. Uh, and, uh, and we know that David's confidence was not unfounded because God did deliver him from Saul, right? And God did... Uh, 
make him king over Israel as he promised. And David did look on triumph, look in triumph on his enemies. But that's not the end of the story, right, for the psalm. Because Israel continued to sing this psalm in their life after, long after David was dead. And the church continues to sing this psalm and to pray this psalm today because it applies today, even actually even in a fuller sense than it applied for David. Uh, because David cried out to God in verse 1, Save me by your name. Uh, and, and the Hebrew word there for save is yashe, which is the word from which we get the yes, yesu, right? Or Jesus, that's his name. And that's why in Matthew one twenty one, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, and then says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Right? So all the enemies that God's people vanquished in the Old Testament, they all represented and pointed to are the ultimate enemies of the soul, which Ephesians 2 talks about, it, right? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And then the passage we will look at right in this coming Sunday, Ephesians 6, talks about how our battle, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And likewise, if the enemies of, the old, of old pointed to these ultimate enemies, then all of God's redemptive acts in the Old Testament in saving his people also pointed to and was fulfilled by Christ's ultimate uh, redemption of his people, that he is Jesus, the one who saves us from our sins. So the main point of this psalm, that those who look to God for deliverance will look in triumph on their enemies, applies to us in a much richer, fuller sense because Jesus lived the perfect life of righteousness, died for the, bear the punishment for our sins, absorbed the wrath of God, the justice of God, and then he rose again and ascended to the heaven for our vindication so that we who have placed our trust in him are united with him in his life, in his glory and reign, and so that we can rightly say that our enemies have been vanquished, have been conquered, and we can look to Christ for that. So then the application of that is that when we are, you know, harassed by the world and everywhere we turn, right, the world teems with temptation, right? Even though we live in such world and, and all the pressures and influences of this world seek to lead us astray from God, we could look to Jesus to save us by his name, to look to Jesus for deliverance, and we will look in triumph over those enemies. And, and when we live by, then we will live by his way and not by the ways of this world. And when we're wary from battling our own flesh, right, the sinfulness of our own hearts, when we, when we see in all the good deeds we do, it's tainted with sin, and we, and we wrestle with that, and we wrestle with just the entrenched sinfulness of our lives, we look to Jesus for deliverance, not placing our hope in our own righteousness, but in Him, and then we can be rest assured that uh, we can look in triumph on our enemies. And then, and then finally, when we are assailed by Satan and his minions... When we fall to their lies, their accusations, telling us that we are not worthy of God, telling us that we, God does not love us or care for us, that he, he has neglected us, and that's why these things are happening to us, then we look to Jesus once again for deliverance. And he will help us triumph over our enemies because he has vanquished the world of flesh and the devil. And so my encouragement to you all tonight is just whatever you might be dealing with, just remember that your enemies have been defeated by Christ. And in his name, there is deliverance for us. And look to Jesus for deliverance. And then we will look on our enemies in triumph. Uh, So with that, um, let's pray.